But here's why due diligence is so incredibly important, guys. I've done about a thousand transactions. 700 of those are wholesales. 200 of those are burr deals. And I've done a bunch of random things here and there. The reason I'm telling you that isn't to tell you how great I am. That's irrelevant. I'm here to give back and provide value. What I am trying to tell you, though, is that I've only lost money on three deals. And I'm proud of that. In theory, I have about a 997 wins and three losses. So I think it would be very valuable to share with you all why I lost money on the three deals that I did. And here's the answer. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. All right, Rhino Nation, I am your host, David Dodge, today, and we're going to jump in today and we're going to talk about due diligence on the best podcast to learn how to wholesale real estate, Wholesaling Inc. Guys, we all know that by motivated sellers and wholesaling deals is the easiest way to get into real estate. We all know that. So today we're going to break down a small piece of a wholesale deal. And this is just the, the time in which we are going to be doing due diligence. And there's a couple different places that we're actually going to need to do due diligence which is going to be great because we're going to walk through all this today. But the main areas that we're going to need to do due diligence are going to be when we're putting a property under contract, when we are going to make sure of the ARV and make sure the ARV is correct, when we're making sure that the repairs are accurate on the property and you know what your cash buyer is going to do, right? Are they telling, are they going to be a buyer or are they going to flake out? So these are basically the four times in which we're going to be doing a lot of due diligence or another way to word that would be to, you know, do a due diligence deep dive. So number one would be putting a property under contract, right? And there's going to be two approaches to putting a property under contract. There would be approach number one, you know, get a great price from day one, which requires a lot of marketing and a lot of talking to people. And it requires a good offer that gets you a great price, even a great offer. So that's approach number one, all right? And this would just be making the low offer or you may have already figured out what a great price is and you've done your due diligence already on this and you're gonna get a really great price. Or option number two is you're gonna use your inspection period to get the price down. And, you know, obviously if you make a low offer, an offer below your MAO and they accept, well, then you just got a great price. And some deals go like that, right? Some deals will easily fall down, but I'm going to be honest. Those are the one or two or three out of a thousand, you know, I mean, obviously if you're doing lots of deals, you're going to have a couple sellers that are just going to lay down. They're going to say, Hey, you know, make me an offer, any offer. And we'll take that offer. But the other 997 deals out of a thousand are going to be deals where you're going to need to negotiate a little bit and you're going to need to use your inspection period to get the price down. So my partner, Mike, he always says, and I love that he says it because it helps remind me, but the negotiation doesn't really start until the property is under contract. And, you know, Mike's done a ton of wholesale deals with me. He's also a broker. So he knows both the off-market and the on-market way of doing things. Well, the on-market way of doing things is really, really heavily weighted to the actual negotiating starting after the contract, the initial contract, much more so than the off-market. But the off-market is similar. 
So when you are using your inspection period to get the price down, that means that you can essentially come in with a little higher offer. So let's say that offer may be, you know, at your MAO or maybe even a little bit above your MAO, right? Option one would be making an offer well below your MAO and you're getting that under contract. Well, option two is you may have come in at the MAO or maybe even above it and you're going to use your inspection period. So this approach is used to win the deal and then you can use your inspection period to prove to the seller that your new offer makes more sense and here is why. So that's basically what you're gonna do. So ways to get the price down. There's a lot of ways, but the main ones are gonna be repairs are gonna be higher than expected prior to doing your due diligence. You're gonna tell it to the seller. So you're going to get a price reduction or maybe the ARV, the after repair value is lower than expected, right? Way to get the price down from the seller. You have to prove that to the seller or talk to them about it. Or you can say your partner or investor or cash buyer or lender is telling you that you need to be lower and not approving your deal at the current price. So you can blame it on somebody else and get the price down. Or you may have found something that you didn't know about when you made the offer. I mean, isn't that the definition of due diligence? Dive in and learn more about the property and numbers and the neighborhood and all of it. So these are gonna be ways to go about getting the price down. There's lots of other ways, but that's gonna be the main ways, right? And why the price should or may be lower, right? So if we're gonna jump into you know, why you can get it down, you could use some of the excuses like this. This is some of the things that I use, and these are really just ways to let the seller know that you know there's some issues with the property or it's not necessarily best case, right? So if it's on a major road, or the comps are larger than this particular property, or maybe it has weird utilities that are shared. Maybe it's not on city sewer or county water, right? Maybe it's got a septic tank or it's on well water, right? If there's any oddities within the house, right? I don't like to buy weird, but sometimes you can get a really great deal on a weird house and you can wholesale it and make a lot of money. You know, maybe there's power lines or cell towers right above the property or within sight of the property. Maybe the property's in a floodplain. So these are gonna be things that we're gonna be looking for while we're doing our due diligence that's gonna allow us to get that price down. Also the neighborhood, is there boarded up homes in the neighborhood or other vacant homes or, you know, maybe even section eight rentals, or you can go look at some of the crime statistics on, you know, truly I think has some good heat maps and can learn more about the neighborhood. Figure out a walk score. If you have a low walk score, well, that's gonna be much more hard to rent, all right? Also, you may have an easement or an encroachment of another property owner or maybe a road going through the front yard of this property. I mean, there could be a lot of things, but we're gonna to wanna to find those things out while we are doing this due diligence. So let's recap. Putting a property under contract, there's gonna be two approaches. It's gonna be getting a great price. I'm not even gonna say good, I'm gonna say great. Getting a great price day one. That's a super motivated seller. You make an offer, let's say 10% below your MAO and they say yes. Well, that's a great way to go about it. The other way to go about it will be using your inspection period to get the price down after you agree. So you may be able to come in at a little higher price and then you're going to you know, inspect the property. You're gonna deep dive the comps. You're gonna deep dive repairs. You're gonna find out any oddities, you know, about this property that may make it less appealing. And you're gonna use that to negotiate the property down. All right, moving on. Next part of due diligence is gonna be making sure that your ARV is correct. And after that, we're gonna jump into the repairs. But when it comes to the ARV being correct, guys, the comps need to be comps. And what that means is comp stands for comparables. 
So you need to have comparables that are actually comparable. You cannot comp a two-bedroom house to a three-story, six-bedroom house. It doesn't comp. It is not comparable. So what I typically do is I look one year back for sold properties within a quarter mile. And if there's a lot of them, I'm even going to take the time down to six months. But I typically start at one year and a quarter mile. All right. I want to see similar bed and similar bath when I'm running my comps. Then I want to go to the square feet and I want to make sure that the square foot of the houses I'm looking at is within 10 to 15% in either direction of my house. Okay. Now, if there's not enough comps at a quarter mile in one year, I'm going to take it out to one and a half years or even two years, or I might even go to a half a mile or three quarters of a mile, but I'm not going to make big jumps. I'm going to start at six months and a quarter mile. And then I'm going to take it out from there. And if I can get a couple comps, three or four, within that small parameter and most recent time frame, then I know that I'm going to have good comps. So you've got to make sure that your ARV is correct. This is really, you know, a big part of due diligence. So next, we're going to look at the type of the property. And is it the same? Is it a ranch? Is it a two-story? Is it a split level? We want to comp the same type of house to our subject property. Additionally, does that property have a basement? Is it a slab or does it have a crawl space, right? Does it have a walkout basement or is it a pit? Maybe it's finished, maybe it's not. These are things that we're gonna wanna look at when we're running comps. Next, we're gonna look at the type of property and we're gonna see if the property you know, has a patio or a deck or maybe even a garage. And again, we're gonna wanna find comps that are gonna have a patio or a deck or a garage. And if they don't, we're gonna make an adjustment to our property to adjust up or down for these differences. Comps have to be comparable. That's the whole point. Next, we're gonna look at the age of the property. Is it a new construction comp or is it a 50-year-old comp or a 100-year-old comp? Well, hey, it's gonna really matter and depend if your property is new construction-ish or if it's 50 or 100 years old. You're gonna to wanna to compare it to something as similar as possible to your property. Does it have any aluminum wiring? Does it have knob and tube? Stuff like this. Age of the property is going to help you determine that if you can't find it online. Was it recently updated or renovated? And if so, how long ago? Again, this is something I'm going to be looking at with my subject property to my comparable properties. So whenever I'm determining my ARV, I can see the comps that are going to match the best. Okay, school districts matters too, guys. Major intersections and highways, you may have a nice neighborhood on the left side of the intersection and not so nice on the right. So you really got to know your neighborhoods. Also, the size of the yard and the lot, and is it fenced or not? I mean, think about it. If you have a half acre yard or even an acre yard and it's fenced, that's going to add a lot of value. That fence alone on an acre lot might cost 40 grand. So you got to keep this stuff into consideration. Now, when it comes to running comps, guys, you can do this on Zillow. I prefer batch leads. You can also use PropStream. There are a lot of resources out there to pull those comps. Maybe you're an agent or a broker and you actually have access to one of the 742 different MLS zones throughout the country. Additionally, you can get an appraisal from the property if all else fails. And from there, you can see what a professional appraiser is going to think it's worth. All right. And you can tell the appraiser, hey, I may want an as is appraisal, or maybe I want an ARV appraisal with 50 or $60,000 worth of work done to it. And they can actually give you an after rehab appraisal, an ARV appraisal. So when it comes to making sure your ARV is correct, guys, this is a big part of due diligence. And you need to make sure that you are not overestimating your ARV. I'll tell you why at the end. Very, very important. All right, the next thing that we're gonna wanna really do a deep dive on when we're doing our due diligence 
is making sure the repairs are accurate. So things that we need to keep in mind whenever we're even starting this process is how are the utilities set up? You know, is it on a septic tank or is it a sewer? What's the water? Is it a well or is it from the city or the county? Because the repair estimates for something broken from the differences there are going to be night and day. Next, we're going to get a sewer scope. Whenever I have a property under contract, I typically spend $59, which is what I can get it done for in my local market. Maybe yours might be a few dollars more, but typically for less than $100, you can get a guy or girl to come out with a camera on a scope and they can scope your sewer line. Guys, here's the thing. We can walk around a property. We can go do it for 20 minutes. We can go do it for 20 hours, but I don't care how much you walk a property. You cannot shrink down to three or four inches tall and go walk a sewer line. The only way to inspect it is to get a camera in there. So by knowing if that sewer is clean or cracked or clogged completely or, you know, displaced is going to help you determine those repairs. So radon gas can be another thing. You may need an inspection for that. That's really going to be more for the on-market or the retail sales, but that is a part of the due diligence for the repairs. Also, is the home in a historic district? You may qualify for tax credits that way. You don't have to. But that's also going to affect the type of repairs if you do decide to use tax credits. They're going to want to see a historic looking rehab, something that's going to look like you didn't just go in and make it all brand new, but you kept a lot of the character. And they're going to even have different rules and regulations for different parts of the country. So check into that. Next is, you know, hire or send out a qualified inspector or contractor. And maybe that is you after you've been in the business for a few weeks or even a few months. But if you really want to get a really rock solid repair estimate, a plumber is going to be better at giving a plumbing bid than you are most likely. And so is an electrician. So bring out a plumber, bring out an electrician, bring out an HVAC guy. And then there's a lot of other people that you may or may not need depending on the scope of your repairs. Maybe it needs waterproofing in the basement or the crawl space. Maybe it needs a roof. Maybe there's mold remediation needed. Maybe there's lead paint or asbestos. Maybe there's concrete work or blacktop driveways or patios, right? So all of these things are going to require different contractors. And the best way to do the best due diligence and get the best, most accurate numbers is to bring in the actual people that are going to be doing the work. They also, by the way, know the actual cost of the materials in real time because they're typically buying them daily or weekly. Also, a good thing when it comes to making sure that your repairs are accurate on that due diligence deep dive would be any sort of drainage or grading that your property may have or lack. If your property is in a valley and there's not a bunch of drainage and it rains really hard, it may flood. So you want to look into those things. And then another thing that I think is very important, there's lots of things here, guys. I'm just covering the main things. But another thing that I always like to look at when I'm buying a property is are there any big trees on the property? And if so, are they close to the house? Are they hanging over the house? And how healthy do they look, right? Trees can also get in the sewer lateral lines. Another reason why you should spend the 50, 60, 70 bucks to have somebody come out and scope it. It's the one thing that we can't inspect. We have to get a camera in there. Even if it works, here's the thing about sewer laterals. It works until it doesn't. And then what do you do? And also imagine what happens to the basement of that property. If someone's using any water at all and that line is blocked or clogged, you're going to have yourself a mess in the basement, right? So keep that in mind. And also trees drop things. Things can fall on your property. They can clog up your gutters. They can damage your roof. 
A tree can fall or lose a limb and put a hole in your roof, or maybe even total an entire property if the property is close enough to a giant tree and it's a small property. So trees matter, keep an eye on them, and you know factor in any cutting or trimming or even removal of those trees into your repair estimates when you are negotiating. Now guys, also, all of these things that I'm mentioning here for the due diligence are also great things that you not only should be looking for, but can use as tools to get your price reduced with your seller. Hopefully you're seeing that too, because that's a very, very big deal. And it helps us use our inspection period to identify, to do due diligence and locate these now new known facts that we can then take back to our sellers and we can negotiate our prices down. All right, last but not least, what is up with our cash buyers? We need to do some due diligence on them. We need to ask our buyers what they think of the repairs and why, right? And if that doesn't align, then we're either gonna disagree or we're gonna learn something from them. We also wanna ask our buyers what they think of the ARV and why. And again, we're either gonna disagree or we're gonna learn something. I love asking my buyers what they're gonna do with the property, how much they're gonna spend, what they plan to make. Oftentimes I can tell them what I think they're gonna spend and what I think it's gonna sell for and what I think they're gonna make. And again, I'm either gonna disagree with them or I'm gonna learn something new. And that's the great thing about this business is we can learn new things every single day. It's so awesome, but I always want to ask them why they think the repairs are what they are and why they think the ARV is what the ARV is. Most of the time, I'm going to learn something new and I'm not going to disagree because I may not have done the best job determining my ARV or I may not have done the best job determining my repairs. And as we know, it's very difficult to make a really good offer if you don't have those two figures. So you may put a property under contract and it'd be not in the deal range, but you can use the due diligence and all these items to then get it into the deal range, assuming you don't get it in there from the very beginning. Now, also when it comes to cash buyers, guys, you wanna do due diligence on them and make sure that they are gonna be able to close. I typically wanna see proof of funds. I wanna ask them if they've done any other deals recently, and if so, what kind of deals? And I wanna make sure that they're not trying to wholesale a property that I'm wholesaling. And here's the thing, it's happened many, many times. And many of those times, we've made it work and both made a profit. But I would much rather be in the loop about a daisy chain, a wholesaler wholesaling a deal, it's happened a lot, than not, and then have to disappoint my seller on the day of closing. So keep that in mind, do your due diligence, check them out, see if they have any recent experience, hopefully they do, they have a ton, see if they have any references, right? And or proof of funds, ask how they are going to finance this deal and make a friend. I always like to lead with making a friend when it comes to the sellers. And I often discount this, but you guys wanna make a friend with your buyer because at the end of the day, that's the person that's gonna allow you to get paid. Not the seller, it's the buyer that's going to allow you to get paid. You make your money when you buy by getting a great deal, but you get paid when you sell, and that's where the buyer comes in. So guys, here's the thing. There is lots of other ways to do due diligence. It looks like we're about 21 minutes in, and I don't want to bore you with every little detail. 
Now we go over this multiple times a week with our students over in the Rhino Roadmap. If you guys aren't in that program, I highly suggest you check it out. It's killer. We are breaking it down step-by-step, step, helping people get their first deal. Head on over to wholesalinginc.com and you can learn more. But here's why due diligence is so incredibly important, guys. I've done about a thousand transactions. 700 of those are wholesales. 200 of those are bird deals. And then I've done a bunch of random things here and there. The reason I'm telling you that isn't to tell you how great I am. That's irrelevant. I'm here to give back and provide value. What I am trying to tell you, though, is that I've only lost money on three deals. And I'm proud of that. In theory, I have about a 997 wins and three losses. So I think it would be very valuable to share with you all why I lost money on the three deals that I did. And here's the answer. I didn't do enough or the right due diligence. That's the truth of it. It's literally that simple. So here's the cool thing. If you mess up your ARV and you think your ARV is higher than it should be, you can typically still make money on that deal if everything else is in line. Or let's say for a second that you screwed up your repairs and you thought the repairs were, you know, less than the actual repairs. Well, again, if everything else is in line, you should probably still make money or at least break even on the deal. But when you start screwing up both of those things, you overestimate your ARV and at the same time, you underestimate your repairs that's where you're going to get into trouble. So those three deals that I speak of that I lost, I lost less than 10 or 15 on each. So it wasn't that big of a deal by any means, but those were deals that I broke both of the rules. I essentially didn't do good enough due diligence on both the ARV and the repairs. So what I did was I overestimated my ARV. I was speculating. I was thinking, Hey, these properties are going to be worth 280 grand when in reality, they were really only going to be worth 250 grand. This is an example. And then I went and I said, okay, I think the repairs are going to be 40 when in reality, the repairs were 70 or 80. And when you do the due diligence wrong on both the ARV and the repairs, that's where you can get into trouble, big trouble. So guys and girls, do not make the same mistake that I did three different times and lost money on three different deals. Now, by the way, these weren't wholesale deals. These were fix and flip deals. But regardless, I wouldn't have been able to sell them with my current numbers because I probably didn't market them. I just took them down. Really, really important. Make it your goal. Make it your mission to do due diligence and to deep dive into all the things we talked about in here. But essentially, at the end of the day, you just want to make sure that your ARV isn't a speculative one. It's not a bloated one. It's not a crazy one. It's a normal ARV. And here's the cool part. If you sell a deal above an ARV, or maybe your investor, your cash buyer does, that's icing on the cake. That is going to make them want to buy more deals from you. And it's going to make you more money at the same time. And when it comes to your repairs, you don't want to have a dumb repair estimate that isn't going to be feasible. One that is going to be impossible. That doesn't get you anywhere because if you are the rehabber, you're shooting yourself in the foot by not budgeting enough money. And if you're the wholesaler, people aren't going to want to do business with you or want to look at your deals. If you're sending deals out that need 50, 60 grand worth of work and you're saying they need 10 or 20. So you got to do your due diligence and you have to understand what the comps are and how to comp. And you have to understand how to look at a property and determine the repairs. And some of that might be done by you. Some of it might be done by bringing in some professionals and some friends 
And some of that might be done with comparing your notes with your other investors, your cash buyers that you're sending out to these properties. Hopefully you are comparing notes with these individuals. So not only you can get better, but you can make them better. You know, all these other people in our markets, they're not competitors, guys. These are strategic partners that are in our backyard. They can help us sell deals. They can help us buy deals. We can sell them deals. They can buy deals from us. They're strategic partners. So you should constantly be talking with them and comparing notes and seeing what the ARV they think is and the repairs they think are. And you're going to be modifying your numbers up or down with more information. Due diligence is nothing more than doing a deep dive and trying to find out as much information as possible about the property, the comps, and the repairs. And maybe Maybe even about the buyers and the investors in that market. All right. So the dictionary definition of due diligence is the reasonable steps taken by a person in order to satisfy a legal requirement, especially in buying or selling something. Wow. Isn't that funny? That's what we're doing. We're going to be doing a deep dive. We're going to try to find as much material fact as we can about the property. And we may use that to help negotiate down. Or maybe we just use that so we don't lose money whenever we go and we take the deal down and we fix and flip it ourselves, Guys, do not make the same mistake that I've made three times. I'm going to do everything in my power not to make it. And it's so simple. Don't underestimate your repairs. Don't overestimate your ARV. Be conservative. If you end up selling for more, it's icing on the cake. And if you end up rehabbing or repairing for less, it's icing on the cake. Don't overthink it. Guys, thanks for listening. I hope you learned a thing or two about due diligence and how to do it and what to do and when to do it. And if you guys are ready to come work with me and the rest of the rhinos over at the Rhino Roadmap, I'm ready. I can't wait. Go over to wholesalinginc.com, fill out an application, and let's chat. Let's see if we can help you get that first wholesale deal. I'm excited. I can't wait. Signing off. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.